0: Hello. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Nathaniel's Hour. It is now 10 o'clock, and we will get started. Today is Thursday, the 18th of March, and it is raining cats and dogs outside, Taylor. That's right. I, uh, <laughs> I'm a two-tone man right now, with my front being a nice dark gray and very wet, and the back nice and dry. That's the, that's the nice part of the wind tunnel of the, of the walk from Bergwall to here. Um, but yeah, stay, 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 uh, we're getting, stay warm, (laughs) stay dry. We were going to have, uh, my good friend Trevin Nafziger, but, uh, I told him, you know, you might want to, you might want to stay, stay back today. Eh, It's not, it's not nice being outside, especially when you don't have to be. My, uh, my shoes are slowly starting to fall apart because as I was coming over here, uh, from the bottom up, my feet got absolutely saturated. So I should probably, probably get some new ones um but this is also going to be the first show today that we are going to have recorded so that's going to be exciting hopefully we'll be able to get that on some platforms um but yeah today's not going to be too different than normal We're just going to be playing some music talking about it uh maybe reading some stuff who knows but yeah it's been a, a pretty pretty busy week i'm starting to kind of get into actually feeling like a college student again with uh, academics. Uh, I've been pretty blessed with a really light semester, not going to lie. 17 credits never felt so easy. Uh, My roommates can attest to that with them studying six to seven hours a day on their biochemistry and me just put about 40 minutes in before I go to bed (laughs) and doing doing just fine too. Um, But I'm really excited. This week I get to work on a midterm all about... uh, a commodity-based economy in Saudi Arabia um, on oil in a global economy that's shifting away and kind of their vision for the future, especially in what Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman put out in Saudi 2030, um, all of his goals for 2030, um, which is starting to come up, starting to come up. It's been 10 years since he's put it out, and we're getting closer. But yeah, um... It's going to be interesting. We just got a new president yesterday. Um, his name is Dr. Philip Lindsay. I do not think that is his first name. But it starts with a P. Uh, but he's a, he seems like a really, really well-educated man. That much is for sure. He went to Baylor for his undergrad studying sociology. Um, he then went to princeton divinity um and got his master's there his name is dr michael Lindsay, not philip his name is dr michael Lindsay, Lindsay. uh he then got post post grad degrees um, some of which are doctoral from princeton and oxford in sociology uh taught at rice for a pretty long time then went to gordon and now he's here uh he spoke at chapel um didn't give a message necessarily more just to get to know you but I think it's really exciting that there's someone who is not originally affiliated with Taylor University that wants to be here. Um, so we can't complain about that. Can we? Um, I'm really interested to see what his vision for Taylor is. Uh, probably won't be the same as mine, but that's because I'm normally wrong <laughs> on what is the right on what is the right uh, thing for our future. Um, so yeah, Taylor's doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. It's getting warmer out. It's getting warmer out. Hopefully, our tennis, uh, our little club tennis will be able to play some matches. We just found out, so that'll be exciting. I will better watch out. We finna get the the smackdown on that JV team. Hopefully, <laughs> or else that'll be sad. It'll be sad if we lose their JV team. Uh, but that's also a possibility. Um, but yeah. Uh, so we yeah, got some really exciting things. Um, for all of my hundreds of thousands of listeners out there if any of you would like to submit music please do um, one of my big pushes is i want to have taylor students um submitting their own music and having us play it i think that would be a really cool thing for us to be able to do so i'm working on that i have to figure out some coding and scripts on how to make it so it can be its own hour but for now we're just going to put it into the right regular rotation We'll probably do, um, my hope is to do a full top of the source that will be all Taylor students. And I think that would be really, really exciting. Um, on top of that, we have a new article out on WTUR for um, heralding the one and only Peter Williams, the storied station manager that you all know and love, obviously, who graduated. Um, and just really praising him. So check that out. Um, yeah, so you got exciting things. Uh yeah, so I'm gonna play some music. We're gonna go with a little bit of Father John Misty with "I Went to the Store One Day." Um, that's one of my favorite songs. It used to be on, um, used to be on one of my playlist or what is it called? I it was one of my first. It was one of my first CDs. It was one of my first CDs that I got, and I'll play it all the time. Probably too much if you ask my friends. Um, we're also gonna put "Vagabond" in by Camp. That's another good song. A lot of people will be loving him, and we're gonna finish off with Willie's song by Waylon Baxter. Um, all of these are some nice um, indie, some nice young indie men who are really, really showing it. What's what? Um, and then after that, I'll do a little reading of Jack Kerouac. That kind of reminds me of this vibe. So please stay tuned as we now na- will be shifting to the music.
1: cigarettes firewood and bad wine long since gone but I'm still drunk and hot wide awake and breathing hard and now in just one year's time I've become jealous real thin Prone to paranoia when I'm stoned This isn't true, love, someone oughta put me in a home Say, do you wanna get married? Put an end to our endless progressive tendency to scorn provincial concepts like your dowry and your daddy's farm for love to find us of all people I never thought it'd be so simple Let's buy a plantation house and let the yard grow wild till we don't need the signs that say keep out. I've got some money left and it's cheaper in the south. I need someone. to protect me from my seven daughters, when my body says enough, don't let me die in a hospital. I'll save the big one for the last time we make love. Insert here a sentiment
2: golden
1: years all cur- mind was running through the woods instead 100 miles an hour in the fast lane 100 miles an hour in my head Vagabond dreaming takes me through the night Sipping whiskey by the river Living out of sight 100 miles an hour in the fast lane. 100 miles an hour toward the light. See the curve in that river's
2: bed. Now look at you when I see my friend. 100 miles an hour in the fast lane. A hundred miles an hour to the air.
0: Was Camp with Vagabond and now we have Willy Song by Raylan Baxter folks.
3: office job, a bank account and a pretty wife Friday would come too soon he would fly you to the moon, his old lady never knew what he was talking about don't you fly Yeah, everything will be okay. One day, and he's back to work. Shiny shoes, a tie, and a shirt. Everybody loved him, so he had a beautiful smile. A good report, a pat on the back. Got his name on the company plaque. Nobody seemed to know that Willie could fly. Oh, but don't you fly away, boy? Don't. Birmingham, but he was losing his mind in a world of his own. Willie left on a rainy day, wings spread and wind in his face, but nobody knew that Willie could fly. Oh, but don't you fly.
0: Alrighty, and we are back. I hope you guys enjoyed all of that. And now we have a little reading from a book that I have been reading. (laughs) Uh, It's by Jack Kerouac. It's called On the Road. This is his most famous book. Um, It's basically just an account of when he decided to go on the road. (laughs) Um, He went all the way from New York to, I believe, California, but I've only read about 50-60 pages. Um, but these songs remind me of one of the readings. So here we are. This is chapter four of On the Road by Jack Kerouac. The greatest ride in my life was about to come up. A truck with a flat board at the back with about six or seven boys sprawled out on it. And the drivers, two young blonde farmers from Minnesota, were picking up every single soul they found on that road. The most smiling, cheerful, handsome bumpkins you could ever wish to see both wearing cotton shirts and overalls, nothing else. Both thick-wristed and earnest with broad how-are-you smiles for anybody and anything that came across their path. I ran up and said, is there room? They said, sure, hop on, srooms rooms for everybody. I wasn't on the flatbed before the truck roared off. I lurched, a rider grabbed me, and I sat down. Somebody passed me a bottle of Rotgut at the bottom of it. I took a big swig in the wide, lyrical, drizzling air of Nebraska, Hooey! Here we are! Yelled a kid in a baseball cap, and they gunned up the truck to the seventy and passed everyone on the road. We've been riding this son of a bleep since Des Moines. These guys never stop. Every now and then you have to yell for a for a pee call, otherwise you have to uh, pee off the air and hang on, brother, hang on. I looked at the company. There were two young farmer boys from North Dakota in red baseball caps, which is the standard North Dakota farmer boy hat. And they were headed for the harvests. Their old man had given them leave to hit the road for a summer. There were two young city boys from Columbus, Ohio. High school football players chewing gum, winking, singing in the breeze. And they said they were hitchhiking around the United States for the summer. We're going to L.A., they yelled. "What? What are you going to do there? Heck, we don't know. Who cares? Then there was a tall, slim fellow who had a sneaky look. Where are you from? I asked. I was lying next to him on the platform. You couldn't sit without bouncing off, it had no rails, and he turned slowly to me, opened his mouth, and said Montana. Finally, there's Mississippi Jean in his charge. Mississippi Jean was a dark little guy who rode freight trains around the country. A thirty-year-old hobo, but with a youthful look, so you couldn't exactly tell what age he was. He sat on the board's cross-legged, looking out from the, looking out over the fields without saying anything for hundreds of miles, and finally, at one point, he turned to me and said, Where are you headed? I said, Denver. I got a sister there, but I ain't seen her for a couple years. His language was melodious and slow. He was patient. His charge was a 16-year-old, tall, blond kid, also in hobo rags. That is to say, they wore old clothes that had been turned black by the suit of railroads and the dirt of boxcars and sleeping on the ground. The blond kid was also quiet, and he seemed to be running away from something, and it figured to be the law the way he looked straight ahead and wet his lips in worried thought. Montana Slim spoke to them occasionally with a sardonic and insinuating smile. They paid no attention to him. Slim was all insinuation. I was afraid of his long, goofy grin that he opened up straight in your face and held there half-moronically. You got any money, he said to me? Heck no. Maybe enough for a pint of whiskey till I get to Denver. What about you? I know where I can get some. Where? Anywhere. You can always follow a man down an alley, can't you? Yeah, I guess you can. I ain't beyond doing it when I really need some dough. Headed up to Montana to see my father. I'll have to get off this rig at Cheyenne and move up on some other way. These crazy boys are going to Los Angeles. Straight? All the way. If you want to go to L.A., you gotta ride. I mulled this over. The thought of zooming all night across Nebraska, Wyoming, and the Utah desert in the morning, and then most likely in the Nevada desert in the afternoon, and actually arriving in Los Angeles within a foreseeable space of time almost made me change my plans. But I had to go to Denver. I'd have to get off at Cheyenne, too, and hitch, hitch south 90 miles to Denver. I was glad when two, the two Minnesota boys who owned the truck decided to stop in North Platte and eat. I wanted to have a look at them. They came out the cab, and they smiled at all of us. Peacall, call, said one. Time to eat, said the other. But they were the only ones in the party who had money to buy food. We all shambled after them to a restaurant run by a bunch of women and sat over some hamburgers and coffee while they wrapped away enormous meals, just as if they were back in their mother's kitchen. They were brothers. They were transporting farm machinery to Los Angeles to Minnesota and making good money at it. So on their trip to the coast, to the coast empty, they picked up everyone on the road. They had done this about five times now, and they were having a heck of a time. They liked everything. They never stopped smiling. I tried to talk to them, a kind of dumb attempt on my part to befriend the captains of my ship. The only responses I got were two sunny smiles and large white corn-fed teeth. Everybody had joined them in the restaurant except the two hobo kids, Gene and his boy. When we all got in the back, they were still sitting in the trunk, forlorn and disconsolate. (laughs) Now the darkness was falling. The drivers had a smoke. I jumped at the chance to go buy a bottle of whiskey to keep me warm in the rushing cold air of the night. They smiled when I told them, Go ahead, hurry up. You can have a couple of shots, I reassured them. (laughs) Oh no, we never drink. Go ahead. Montana Slim and the two high school boys wandered the streets of North Platte with me until I found a whiskey store. They chipped in some, and Slim some. I bought a fifth. Tall, sullen men watched us go by from the false front buildings. The main street was lined with square box houses. There were immense vistas, the plains beyond every sad street. I felt something different in the air in North Platte. I didn't know what it was. In five minutes, I did. We got back on the truck and roared off. It got dark quickly. We all had a shot. And suddenly I looked, and the verdant farm fields of the Platte began to disappear in their stead. So far as you couldn't see the end appeared long, flat wastelands of sand and sagebrush. I was astounded. What in the heck is this? I cried out to Slim. This is the beginning of the rangelands, boy. Hand me another drink. Whoopee! <laughs> yelled the high school boys. Columbus, so long! What would Sparky and the boys say if they was here? Yow! Drivers had switched up front. The Fresh Brother was gunning the truck to the limit. The road changed too. Humpy in the middle with soft shoulders and a ditch on both sides about four feet deep, so that the truck bounced and teetered from one side of the road to the other. Miraculously, only when there were no cars coming the opposite way. And I thought we'd all take a somersault, but they were tremendous drivers. How the truck disposed of the Nebraska nub, the nubs that stick over Colorado. And soon I realized I was actually at last over Colorado and through not officially in it though not officially in it but looking southwest towards denver itself a few hundred miles away i yelled for joy we passed the bottle the great blazing stars came out and the far receding sand hills got dim i felt like an arrow that could shoot out all the way and suddenly mississippi jean turned to me with his cross-legged patient reverie and opened his mouth and leaned close and said these plains put me in the mind of texas are you from texas no sir I'm from Greenville, Mississippi, and that was the way he said it. Where's that kid from? He got in some kind of trouble back in Mississippi, so I offered to help him out. Boy's never been out of his own, about been out on his own. I take care of him best I can. He's only a child. Although Gene was white, there was something of the wise and tired old Negro in him, and something very much like Elmer Hassel, the New York dope addict, in him. But the railroad hassle, the traveling epic hassle, crossing and recrossing the country every year, south in the winter and north in the summer, only because he had no place he could stay in without getting tired of it, and because there is nowhere to go but everywhere. Keep rolling under the stars, generally the western stars. I've been to Ogden a couple times. If you want to ride on to Ogden, I got some friends that we can hold up with. I'm going to Denver from Cheyenne. Heck, go right straight through. you don't get a ride like this every day. This too is a tempting offer. What is Ogden? What's Ogden? I said it's a place where most of our boys pass through and always meet there. You're liable to see somebody there in my earlier days. I'd been to sea with a tall, raw-boned fellow from Louisiana called Big Slim Hazard William Holmes Hazard, who is a hobo by choice as a little boy he been a homo come up he he'd seen a hobo come up to ask his mother for a piece of pie and she'd given it to him. When the hobo went off down the road, the little boy said, Ma, what is that fellow? Why, that's a hobo. Ma, I want to be a hobo down. Shut your mouth. It's not for the like of the hazards. But he never forgot the day, and when he grew up, after a short spell of playing football at LSU, he did become a hobo. Big Slim and I spent many nights telling stories and spitting tobacco juice in paper containers. There was something so indubitably reminiscent of Big Slim Hazard in Mississippi Jean's demeanor that I said, do you happen to have met a fellow called Big Slim Hazard somewhere? And he said, you mean the tall fellow with the big laugh? Well, that sounds like him. He come from Ruston, Louisiana. That's right. Louisiana Slim, he's sometimes called. Yes, sir. I sure have met Big Slim. And he used to work in the East Texas oil fields. East Texas is right. And now he's punching cows. And that was exactly right. I still couldn't believe Gene could have really known Slim, whom I'd been looking for more or less for years. He used to work in tugboats in New York. Well, now, I didn't know about that. I guess you only knew him in the West. Reckon, I ain't never been in New York. Well, darn me. I'm amazed you know him. This is a big country, yet I knew you must have known him. Yes, sir, I know Big Slim pretty well. Always generous with his money when he's got some mean tough fella too i seen him flatten a policeman in the yards at cheyenne one punch that sounded like big slim he was always practicing that one punch in the air he looked like jack dempsey but a young jack dempsey who drank dang i yelled into the wind and had another shot by now i was feeling pretty good every shot wiped away by the rushing wind of the open truck wiped away its bad effects and left only the good effect sank in my stomach Cheyenne, here I come, I sang. Denver, look out for your boy. Montana Slim turned to me, pointed at my shoes, and commented, You reckon if you put them things in the ground, something will grow up? Without cracking a smile, of course. And the other boys heard him and laughed. They were the silliest shoes in America. I bought them along specifically because I didn't want my feet to sweat in the hot road. Except for the rain and Bear Mountain, they proved to be the best possible shoes for my journey. So I laughed with them. And the shoes are pretty ragged by now the bits of colored leather sticking up like pieces of fresh pineapple my toes showing through. Well, we had another shot and laughed, as in a dream we zoomed through small cross-town roads smack out of the darkness and passed along long lines of lounging harvest hands and cowboys in the night. They watched us pass one motion of the hand of the head, they watched us pass in one motion of the head, and we saw them slap their thighs in the continuing dark to the other side of town. We were a funny looking crew. A lot of men in this country at that time. A lot of men were in this country at that time of the year. It was harvest time, and the Dakota boys were fidgeting. I think we'll get off at the next peak call. Seems like there's a lot of work around here. And all you gotta do is move north when it's over here, counseled Montana Slim, and just follow the harvest till you get to Canada. The boys nodded vaguely. They didn't take too much stock in his advice. Meanwhile, the young blonde fugitive fugitive sat the same way. Every now and then Jean handed leaned out of his <laughs> every now and then Jean landed leaned out of his buddhistic trance over the rushing dark plains and said something tenderly in the boy's ear. The boy nodded. Jean was taking care of him, of his moods and his fears. I wondered where in the heck they would go and what they would do. They had no cigarettes. I squandered my pack on them, and I loved them so. They were grateful, and they were gracious. They never asked. I kept offering. Montana Slim had his own, but never passed the pack. We zoomed through another crossroads town, past another line of tall, lanky men in jeans clustered in the dim lights like moths in the desert, and returned to the tremendous darkness, and the stars overhead were pure and bright because of the increasingly thin air as we mounted the high hill to the western plateau about a foot a mile, so they say, and no trees obstructing any low-level stars anywhere. And once I saw a moody, white-faced cow in the sage of the road as we flitted by. It was like riding a railroad train, just as steady and just as straight. By and by, we came to a town, slowed down, and Montana Slim said, Ah, pay call. But the Minnesotans didn't stop, and went right on through. Dang, I gotta go, said Slim. Over the side, said somebody. Well, I will, he said. And slowly, as we all watched, he inched to the back of the platform on his haunch, holding on as best as he could till his legs dangled over. Somebody knocked on the window of the cabs, bringing this to the attention of the brothers. Their great smiles broke as they turned, and just as Slim was ready to proceed, precarious as it was already, they began zigzagging the truck at 70 miles an hour. He fell back a moment. We saw a, <laughs> we saw a whale spout in the air. He struggled back into a sitting position. They swung the truck wham over he went on his side, watering all over himself. In the roar we could hear him faintly cursing, like the whine of a man across the hills. Dang dang he never knew we were doing this deliberately. He just struggled as grim as Job. When he finished, as such, he was ring wet and now he had to edge and shimmy his way back with a most woe look and everybody laughing except the sad blonde boy and the Minnesotans roaring in the cab. I handed him the bottle to make up for it. What the hell? Spelled H-A-I-L for um, all of the moderators listening, he said. Was they doing that on purpose? They sure were. Well, dang me, I didn't know that. I know I tried it back in Nebraska, and I didn't have half as much trouble. When suddenly, we came into the town of Ogallala, and here the fellows in the cab called out, P. Call, with great good delight. Slim stood sullenly in the truck, ruining a lost opportunity. The two Dakota boys said goodbye to everybody and figured they'd start harvesting there. They watched them disappear in the night towards the shacks of the end of the town where lights were burning, where a watcher in the night of jeans and said the employment bed would be. I had to buy more cigarettes. Gene and the blond boy followed me to stretch their legs. I walked I walked into the least likely place in the world, a kind of lonely plain soda fountain for the local teenage boys and girls. They were dancing, a few of them, to the music on the jukebox. There was a lull when we came in. Gene and Blondie just stood there looking at nobody. All they wanted was cigarettes. There were some pretty girls too, and one of them made eyes at Blondie and he never saw it. And if he had, he wouldn't have cared. He was so sad and gone. I bought a pack for each of them. They thanked me. The truck was ready to go. It was getting on midnight now, and cold. Jean, who had been around the country more times than he could count his fingers and toes, said the best thing to do now for all of us to bundle up under the big tarpaulin, or we'd freeze. In this manner, and with the rest of the bottle, we'd keep warm as the air grew ice-cold and pinched, pinched our ears the uh, uh, the stars seemed to get brighter the more we climbed the high plains we were in wyoming now flat on my back i stared straight up at the magnificent firmament glorifying glorying in the time i was making and in how far i had come from sad bear mountain after all and tingling with the kicks and the thought of what lay ahead for me in denver whatever whatever it would be and Mississippi Jean began to sing a song. He sang it in a melodious and quiet voice with a river accent, and it was simple. Just, I got a purty little girl, she's sweet 16. She's the prettiest thing you've ever seen. Repeating it with other lines thrown in, all concerning how far he'd been and how he wished he could go back to her, but he done lost her. I said, "Jean, that's the prettiest song. It's the sweetest I know, he said with a smile. I hope you get where you're going and be happy when you do. I always make out and move on along or another. Montana Slim was asleep. He woke up and said to me, Hey, Blackie, how about you and me investigating Cheyenne together the night before you go to Denver? Sure thing. I was drunk enough to do anything. As the truck reached the outskirts of Cheyenne, we saw a high red lights at the local radio station, and suddenly we were buckling through the great crowd of people that poured along both sidewalks. Hell's bells, it's the wild west week, said Slim. Big crowds of businessmen, fat businessmen in boots and 10-gallon hats with their hefty wise and cowboy attire, bustled and the on the wooden sidewalks of old Cheyenne. Further down, there were long, stringy boulevard lights in the new downtown Cheyenne, but the celebration was focusing on Old Town. Blank guns went off and the saloons were crowded to the sidewalk. I was amazed, and at the same time, I felt it was ridiculous. In my first shot at the west, I was seeing to what absurd devices it had fallen on to keep its proud decision, tradition. We had to jump off the truck and say goodbye. The Minnesotans weren't interested in hanging around, and it was sad to see him go, and I realized I would never see any of them again. But that's the way it was. You'll freeze your booty off tonight, I warned, And they'll turn them and you'll burn them in the desert tomorrow afternoon. That's all right with me so long as we get out of this cold tonight, said Jean. And the truck left, threading its way through the crowds, nobody paying attention to the strangeness of the kids inside the tarpaulin, staring at the town like babes from a coverlet. I watched it disappear into the night. So that was chapter four of Jack Kerouac's great novel, On the Road. I chose this selection because it reminds me of the songs that we had just read. Um, It kind of captures that romantic uh, wandering and adventure of a young man. And that's kind of what I'm trying to go for right now. That's kind of what I'm trying to capture. Um, So yeah. That's what it is. I hope you enjoyed that. But we'll go back to music. Um, up next, we're going to have Roll Me Away by Jack Sims. Blue Ridge Mountains by the Fleet Foxes. And finish it off, Trouble by Father John Misty. Um, I hope you enjoy. hope you guys are having a good day. I think I will. You know? it's always kind of nice out here but oh goodness I'm not very good with technology. I don't know why people think I am but I'll get it. trust me I'll get it. All right here we go
4: How do you feel about sleeping you're flying away? To stay where we can act like lovers on a king size stage and we can wake up to kisses here yeah, underneath the covers in the whisper of the pine tree sway. Yeah, rock me, babe. You should say. And, oh God, that witch is awful. I wish someone would lock her away. Well, pack your bags up, darling. I'm waiting in my car outside for you to come out and look at me. Oh, that way you do. I love it when you walk away. Hate when you don't stay, baby. Keep on touching me the way you know I like you. Rock me, babe Rock me,
2: babe Roll me away
4: Uh What did your daddy say When you told him you were running away You do. I love it when you walk away. Hate when you don't stay, baby. Keep on touching me the way you know I like you, too. Rock me, babe. Rock me.
0: That's a nice little Jack Sims. Rolling me away up. There. And we will get you another song queued up. Here's Blue Ridge Mountains by the Fleet Foxes.
1: Trouble oh trouble set me free I have seen your face and it's too much too much for me Trouble oh trouble can't you see Eat my heart away Nothing much left of me. I have drank your wine. You have made your world mine. So won't you be fair? So won't you be fair? I'll have to go there Trouble, oh, trouble Move away I have seen your face to see trouble trouble move from me I have paid my debt now won't you leave Don't want no fight, and I haven't got a lot of time.
0: Alrighty, well, we're back. It's me. Um, I'm going to just do. One little thing so I can see where we're at. There we are. And we're back, we're back, we're back. Uh, we got about ten minutes left. So, I'm just going to... Well, I mean, it wouldn't be an episode of Nathaniel's Hour if we didn't have a little bit of poetry by the one and only Walt Whitman out of my beautiful copy of Leaves of Grass that my brother brought, gave me. Alright, so I had some pretty good ones. Um... Here we are, here we are, here we are. I see a beautiful, gigantic swimmer Mm singing... I can't do that. Uh, Number four, number four out of The Sleepers. I turn, but do not extricate myself. Confused, a pass treading. Another, but with darkness yet. The beach is cut by the razory ice wind. The wreck guns sound. The tempest lulls and the moon comes floundering through the drifts. I look where the ship helplessly heads on. I hear the burst as she strikes. I hear the howls of dismay. They grow fainter and fainter. I cannot aid with my wringing fingers. I can but rush to the surf, and let it drench me and freeze upon me. I search with the crowd. Not one of the company is washed to us alive. In the morning... I help pick up the dead, and I lay them in rows in a barn. Now of the old war days, the defeat at Brooklyn, Washington stands inside the lines. He stands on the entrenched hills, amid a crowd of officers, his face is cold and damp, he cannot repress the weeping drops. He lifts the glass perpetually to his eyes, the colors blanch from his cheeks, he sees the slaughter of the southern braves confided to him by their parents. The same at last, and at last when peace is declared, he stands in the room of the old tavern, the well-beloved soldiers all pass through. The officers speechless and slow draw near the turns. The chief articles, encircles their neck, and with his arms kisses them on the cheek. He kisses them light on the wet cheeks one after another. He shakes hands and bids goodbye to the army. Now I tell what my mother told me today as we sat at dinner together. Of when she was a nearly grown girl living home with her parents at the old homestead, a red squaw of one breakfast time of the old homestead on her back, she carried a bundle of rushes for the rush bottoming chairs, her hair straight, shiny, coarse black, and profuse, half enveloped her face. Her step was free and elastic, the voice sounded exquisitely as she spoke. My mother looked in delight and amazement at the stranger. She looked at the beauty of her tall-born face and full and pliant limbs. The more she looked her, the more she loved her. Never before had she seen such a wonderful beauty and purity. She made her sit on the bench of the jam of the fireplace. She cooked food for her. She had no work to give her, but she gave her remembrance and fondness. The red squaw strayed for the forenoon, and toward the middle of the afternoon she went away. Oh, my mother was loth to have her go away all week she thought of her she watched for her many a month she remembered her many a winter and many a summer but the red squaw never came nor was heard of there again now lucifer was not dead or if he was i am his sorrowful terrible heir I have been wronged. I am oppressed. I hate him that oppress me. I will destroy him or he shall release me. Damn him, how does he defile me as he informs against my brother and sister and takes pay for their blood? How he laughs when I look at the bend of the steamboat that carries away my woman. And now the vast, vast, dusk bulk that is the whale's bulk, it seems mine. Wearily, sportsman, though I lie so sleepy and sluggish. My tap is death. So there you are. I mean, if that doesn't get you in in a wonderful mood for the day, bro, I don't even know what will. So yeah, um, I think to finish us off, I will. I mean, I would like to finish on a nice light note, you know. Um, so how about we have a little story time, a little, a little, a little time to reminisce um on what could have been so for those of you who understand taylor or know taylor or familiar with taylor you may know of a tradition called air band um it's basically we're all very excited for it right now because we couldn't have it last year but it's where we um are they have like a selection of songs that are mashed up and then you do like this really elaborate choreography to it um you can't make any noise but like you try and tell a story with it all um, but they'll take like three, four months of, of, um, practice just for about five minutes of dancing. Um, so it gets pretty intense. So I was at practice. We didn't get it. My group didn't get it. It was very sad, but we were at practice, right? We're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. But anyways, uh, my group was there and I had just gotten done. I had a, a rather large part, um, probably larger than I should, um, and so I was very tired after we did a full run through and so I was just laying down on the stage of Rediger which is our chapel and I was just laying down enjoying it and my good friend Trevin who was supposed to be the guest but is not the guest came and decided he would do the whole funny you know step over me you know putting all of his weight on me as he continues to step right I mean it's a classic you know what? 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 what's better fun than that but it just so happened he put all of his weight on my um the top of my diaphragm and all of the air left me but brother it did not go northward it went straight southward with aggression and vengeance and it was so loud I have never heard anything quite like it I was so mortified as I just let out one of the, it was like a shotgun of flatulence is the best way I can describe it. And it's just like, there are only five guys and the rest of the girls, people in the Airbnb are girls, some of whom are rather cute. And so I was just ending there and I had to deal with the fact that there are about 20 girls that all just heard me just let let one rip, and so I just stood up and sprinted and went right out. So if you are feeling a little bit of the a little bit of the blues, a little bit of the depression from this um this this rainy day that we have, um I hope that that at least at least brought you some joy. Up next we have the best the best song in W T U R, which will be Godspeed by James lake
3: Silence in the
2: ears,
3: darkness of the mind. This love will keep us from blinding of the eyes. Silence in the eyes darkness of the mind. This love will keep us from blinding of the eyes. Silence in the ears, darkness of the mind. This love will keep us from. The years, is
4: the
0: just tell me that that isn't just the most beautiful thing you've ever heard. Sorry, I had to put my headphones on there real quick, but it has now been my hour, and I would like to, to close off with um, a reading from my devotions this morning from Proverbs 3. Um, we're going to start at Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So with that said, bro, have a wonderful day. Uh love life and love God. And I love y'all. So see ya.